Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Q&A. Just a quick note, I might not be able to do these next week, just kind of the way my schedule is falling. I hate missing these because I really like doing them, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, if you don't see one next week, just keep putting your questions here. But anyway, let's jump in and see what we got. First up, over on Floatplane, Mike had a pretty interesting question. They were looking to take advantage of picture-in-picture -picture mode on their TV. However, apparently it only works if you're using the RF port with one of the HDMI ports, and they want to be able to watch something in the corner while they game or try out having two sources at once. So what are their options for converting HDMI to RF? Well, first, this is a very cool idea. I could absolutely see myself doing something like half paying attention to a sports game that I kind of want to see, but I'd also rather be doing something else. So you leave that in the corner. I use my phone for that now. It's whatever sports app I've been using lately. I kind of have that next to me while I'm watching on the, the main screen. So that's, that's definitely a cool thing. Or maybe you'll want a game at the same time. But the first thing I want to mention, because it's me, is latency. Uh, the first thing you might want to test is fire up that mode, even if it's just static, it doesn't matter in the picture in picture window, and see if you could put your TV in game mode for the main input. If you can't, that means it's already going to add too much latency and you probably shouldn't use it for gaming. If you can, I would still try to test it with a time sleuth or something just to make sure. But assuming that you could actually play a game in game mode via the HDMI input and still watch TV in the little picture in picture window, then you have some cool options too. First is look into getting an ATSC tuner because you might be able to just get over the air HD channels if you're looking to watch local channels for free. The next thing you might want to look into is HDMI to composite video converters and then just use a VCR to convert composite to RF. There is that adapter Porks talking about that could do it, but there's no price or release date yet. And you could still get VCRs, especially ones that don't play tapes, but still power on. You can get those for free. So you could run your tests at least to see if this is all worthwhile to you. One option that might be kind of cool that I have no idea if it exists or not is I wonder if there's an HDMI to ATSC HD tuner out there. So you convert like an HDMI signal to a 720p over the air broadcast signal to be put into your RF input. Does anybody know if something like that exists? I'll do a quick Amazon search just for the heck of it before I, um, before I post this. But I think those are pretty good options. And I think you could start at least with free, you know, just fire it up, let some static be playing in the background and see if you could set it in game mode. But that's a pretty cool idea. That might give you a couple of options and, you know, maybe you decide that you don't like it or maybe you decide it's an awesome feature and you're going to use it for sports. I definitely could see a scenario which there's two games on and you just switch to the one that, you know, put the big one uh, or the one on the big screen that has the most excitement going on. And every time there's a commercial, swap it over or something like that. But that was a cool question. Now over on Patreon, Scott Linux wants to know if there's any potential damage that could occur to a retro console's cartridge connector if a game cart is left inserted 24-7. They weren't sure if this would put continued stress on the pin connectors, but maybe they shouldn't worry about it. So that's a good question, and I'm pretty sure, this is all guesses, but I'm pretty sure the answer is, yeah, you would wear it out faster than if there was no cartridge in there, but what 
timetable are we talking about? So for example, if you use cartridges with non-beveled edges and you're constantly switching between them, you will beat up that cartridge connector within a year and you're going to notice it very quickly because if you knock the console just a little bit while you're playing, it'll reset or freeze or something. Or you might have to, like with the my Sega Saturn, put a, a index card behind it when, uh, you know, to, to prop it up against the pins. So using carts with non-beveled edges smashes up against those pins and that'll definitely wear it out. But leaving a cartridge in all the time, I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? Would you need a new cartridge connector after 40 years instead of 50? Are you talking about 49 instead of 50? I don't really know. And I don't know if there's really anything... I don't know if that would have been something that we would have seen until now with ROM carts, because unless somebody left a cartridge in their Sega Genesis in the 90s and just found it last week, we don't really know what long-term stress from that would be. I do, I leave it in, and I also leave my 32X plugged in all the time, which is essentially the same thing. I have that plugged into my CDX and I've never removed it. So, well, not in not in years, not since I got Greg's 3D printed uh, casing for it. So my gut, once again, I'm guessing, this is a guess based on a lot of years of technical BS, but my guess is that it would be fine. It will wear it out faster, but not, not in the way that would make a significant difference to you. But if anybody knows anything different, I have no problems being wrong. I will be the first to jump up and down and say I screwed up. But I don't remember off the top of my head any solid data that says this. And I, I certainly don't remember any press release from Sega saying, don't leave your 32X plugged in all the time. Same thing, it would be the exact same thing with Genesis consoles plugged into a Sega CD because those are left in 24-7 and I haven't really seen those that connector wear down that much. So my gut's telling me you'll be fine. But, you know, if you have a one-of-a-kind console like that in a Nintendo PlayStation, I'd say take it out. But if you're talking about like a really nice rebuilt sentimental console you spent a lot of money on, I'd still be fine leaving it in. But just my opinion. Hopefully I was able to add some, you know, just some perspective to it. 60FPS wanted to share their experience with the iPad display and the Mister, And they said that they were having some issues with V-Sync adjust settings. And I definitely remember that. I remember when I had Greg's monitor here, it was working awesome when the zero latency mode and in Mr.'s zero latency mode with most cores, but I remember one or two I had to change the V-Sync adjust. And just a side note, if that's a thing for you in your setup, the new profile naming scheme would help with this. So you have your Mr. INI file and just leave that set the way you always want it. But then you could have the second INI file with VSync adjust set to whatever you would need, whatever the frame buffer needs. And all you would need to do is just label that, you know, VSNC or something, because I believe it's four four characters only allowed on screen for those names. But that would be a super easy way for you to just go, oh, this core keeps dropping. And you would know right away, by the way. You're not going to get into a game and 20 minutes later it starts dropping. It would be pretty pretty instant. So then you could just reboot the mister, swap to the other profile, and you're good to go. So that is certainly something that um, that might help. And that might also help Tony. I don't remember. I remember the HDMI uh, issue, but I don't remember if that was specifically with a mister. So, uh, But that is a, a definitely a good thing to mention. If anybody's having display dropouts, uh, that's something to try. 
Now, I guess just to back up a second, whenever I set up a mister for somebody, I set it to the absolute lowest possible latency, which is basically zero. And uh, then I would make a change based on their TV. Some TVs aren't compatible. Some people or some TVs need um, V-Sync or, or uh, I'm sorry, FreeSync or something like that, that flagged on. So that's certainly something that, uh, you know, that's going to be on a case-by-case -case basis. But also one thing that seemed to work for 60 FPS, switching the native resolution of Mr. from 1536p to 1440p, and that ended up working in the lower latency mode. So once again, if if that's an issue for you, maybe your second Mr. INI file would have VSync or 1440p or both if that's what you needed. But I got to say, running the SNES core in 1536p was the sharpest I'd ever seen it ever. It was like a true 8x7 aspect ratio as well. It's because it's if you could set it to 8x7. So it's just it's as sharp as can possibly be. It was really awesome. So um, uh, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything else. But... So for 60 frames per second, the iPad screen has been relegated to more of a utility monitor for quickly grabbing updates or a fun desktop Tate screen next to a composite-only tube that they have because of some of these compatibility issues. So one other thing is I would also just mention that to Greg and see because Greg has been battling to get good firmware on all of these, but anybody that's ever worked with display companies is already laughing or rolling their eyes or crying, depending how much you've had to work with them. And you try all you will, you might end up getting 50 boards with you know four different firmwares across randomly. So I would talk to Greg, maybe there's some updated for or some firmware update that you could do where you just send him the driver board and he could do the update and, you know, for a cheap price or something like that. So yeah, thanks for chiming in on those resolutions. Um, and uh, you know, if anybody else has any thoughts on on it, please let me know. But I I still think, and I'm not disagreeing with you, 60 FPS. But I still think that iPad screen is freaking awesome. And the only complaint I have is it's small, which is you know everybody talks about the size, so that's not a, a surprise to anybody. You no, know, I don't think anybody's bought that thing expecting a 27 inch monitor. But for me, I like a giant screen. I like the smallest phones and the biggest screens. I don't know why, it's just me. Jason D has a couple of questions and I'm gonna answer them in reverse order. First, how are people using original controllers on Mr. nowadays? I think most people that I know are using the adapters that Mick Giver designed. If you buy them directly from Mick, they're the Damon Byte adapters, but those are open source, so you might see other stores selling them. Part of the licensing is that you're not supposed to use the word Damon Byte in the, uh, in the title to, as to not confuse people as to where they came from. So it's very plausible that you're finding Genesis to USB adapters on different stores that if you read the comments on the store page, it might say these are designed by MacGyver, aka the Damon Byte ones. And just a very quick aside, please try to support sellers that actually respect open source licenses. Mick was kind enough to just give this amazing design for free to people. So it's the least people could do is just credit properly. But those are the ones that most people I know are using for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, they average less than one millisecond of latency, not frame, millisecond. So to be to be rudely clear, I don't care what your Smash player friends have told you, zero and 0.8 milliseconds of latency are both zero, period, end of story. There's just, there's no scenario in which you should ever think of less than a millisecond of latency as lag at all. 
Uh, also, they work with almost everything USB related. And I say almost because I'm sure somebody's got a device that it doesn't work with, but it works with PCs, Raspberry Pi, and Mr. So you get a lot for your money. You get a, a nice small little adapter where you could use your original consoles on basically anything with basically no latency. The only reason you wouldn't want to use an adapter like that is light guns or something that has to sync with the scan lines on your CRT. So the only scenarios would be, first of all, you're using a CRT, and second of all, light guns, or maybe something like the SMS 3D glasses, which I've seen prototype adapters. I don't know if anybody had them for sale, but those those would be uh, the reasons why you would have to use Snack. And Snack is what everybody else is using now for that stuff, not Blister. I think the people that originally bought those kits probably are still using them because there wasn't really anything wrong with them. I don't think the light gun support at first was as reliable as Snack, but I think there were some firmware updates that made it okay. Um, but your second question, people you don't hear a lot of people talk about Blister anymore, and they were curious as to why. Well, I think that's it. I just think there's no reason for it. Unless you're using a CRT with light guns, the McIvers adapters are just cheaper, faster, better, everything that you would... Well, maybe not faster, but just cheaper and easier to use. So I think that's kind of why. And the first question... I tried to answer your question one other time, and I went off on a rant about this. So I'm going to just keep this very quick, just in respect of all of your time. Do I still use Blister with Mister? No, I only tested it, and then I got rid of that almost immediately after. I have such a passionate hatred for those HDMI adapters. I think they're so annoying. I can't understand why anybody would think that was a good idea. And I, even the original Bliss Box, it just... I guess it was cool in that context because it was originally designed for software emulation and you kind of have a more techie crowd that understands. But I think there's just so many people out there that want to use Mr., but they might not have a technical background. And I just think that we as developers need to support those people, not shun them away. And I just, I know so many casual gamers who are smart people that would love to get into Mr., but they're turned off by all of the BS and the thought of buying a controller adapter that has an HDMI port, but it's not HDMI, that goes into another device that has an HDMI port, but it's totally not video, that goes into another thing. It's like, I just... Yeah, I, I just think those are terrible. And I, terrible as far as like a concept, not as performance. They perform fine. So, yeah, that's my opinion. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to go too crazy with this. So, uh, you know, just very quickly though, if you already own a blister and you like them and you're using them and you have no problem with them, then great, keep it. There's no reason to upgrade at all. Everything's cool. But if you're looking right now to pick up adapters, I would stick with the McIver ones or I would go to snack only for light guns. And, you know, if somebody hopefully comes out with an SMS 3D glasses adapter. Dan Bailey said, if I get a chance, please watch a few videos of or try the game myself. The English dub of Castle Shikigami 2 for PS2. My reaction and practical disbelief regarding the dub for Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes leads me to recommend this. So the other day when I was testing the EDFX on stream, Crix's adapter, I was using a PC engine or a Turbo Graphics, and I was playing a PC Engine CD game, the Dragon Slayer game, and I was blown away at how bad the voice acting was. So I think Dan must have been on that stream or, or saw it and uh, and kind of wants to, to see me freak out again. 
I would love to do that, but I also want to do it on stream because it wasn't just fun and ridiculous and like experiencing that. It like the fact that you all were there with me experiencing that for the first time made it so much better. That was one of my favorite parts of that stream. That was hilariously bad. It was like almost offensively bad and I don't offend easy at all, but I was just like, Oh, so yeah, that's, I would love to, if I ever do a PS2 stream, Please remind me, I, I, I want to do that live and, and do that with all of you. David Griffith has an Xbox and they're wondering if they should install the Xbox HD mod or use the component video official kit for it and some good component cables and go through their RetroTINK 5X. They'd like the cleanest signal possible, but they would also like component and composite if possible. So I think... Because of the way you worded this question, I have the answer for you, but I'm going to make sure that I clarify that I, this would not be my answer for everyone. So let, let's walk through this real quick. I'm going to say use analog output because you mentioned that you want component and composite video output and going from HDMI to composite lag free is very hard, if not impossible, pretty expensive. In fact, I would think it was more expensive than buying a second Xbox. So, you know, I know that's probably not a good idea, but I, that's just the perspective that I wanted to add to it. And you already own a RetroTINK 5X because you said, you know, to my RetroTINK 5X. So right now, if you use that, uh, the official HD component pack, you know, the Microsoft official one, and you get a set of HD retrovision cables, just the RCA to RCA. So, you know, you have really good quality cables and those are cheap too, by the way, I'll leave a link to those. You end up with the best possible analog video output, and you can go through the RetroTINK 5X and scale all of that stuff uh, in, in every game, by the way, to HD resolutions and, you know, higher depending on what setup you have. And you could add good scan lines if you care about that. Some games, some Xbox games really still feel modern, but some feel like they should be played on a CRT. So adding good scan lines might be an awesome option or the smoothing filter or the sharpening filter. You already own the tank. So you, you know, you definitely already understand what I'm talking about here. So if you were to install that HD mod, you would only get the native resolution out and it would be very clean. And when scalers come out that accept an HDMI input, if you were only going to flat panels or if you were only going to CRTs with component input, that would be great because you'd get the best of both worlds. You get the cleanest digital signal going to a digital input scaler to your flat panel. And when you go through the converter into your CRT, cool, you still have a very good signal, but you wouldn't get composite that way. So right now, today, my suggestion would be use the official kit and just get some HD retrovision cables. But when the RetroTINK 4K comes out, my, my answer might be a little different, but even then, if you still wanted to use composite video, you would still need to keep it. So... That, that's my answer for you today. However, that would change once newer scalers come out. And it's also based on stuff that you already own. So if anybody has any other questions and wants me to clarify, I never mind talking about this stuff. I think it's fun. But, you know, I also want to make sure to answer the person's question directly, even if it doesn't apply to everybody else. So also, thanks for the kind words. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to help with your Live Gamer 4K thing as well. Oliver Clare has an LG TV that's capable of displaying 4K 120. However, their older Atmos AVR only passes through 4K resolution at 30 hertz. 
So this is an interesting scenario. And before I even go any further, do you use ARC with your setup? So if uh, ARC audio return channel for anybody unaware, so you would basically run whatever you needed into sometimes maybe your older HDMI devices through the AVR, maybe your newer console would go direct into the TV, but your audio return channel would, is an HDMI port that could plug directly into your AVR if it supports it and if it works the way you want. And that would allow things like the apps on your TV to send good audio through it, uh, whatever console you have plugged directly in. So if, if that's the case, then you might actually want to just try that first because that's just a cable. Now, Oliver has a really badass setup and cables are run through walls and stuff like that. So if you would need to knock down a wall to run a cable, don't do that, obviously. But for anybody else listening in this scenario, if you have your standard TV on a TV stand or hanging right above it, try that first. Next, what you could, well, actually, if that works, but you end up with multiple devices and only one free port, then I did find a 4K 120 switch that was cheap, but I have no idea if it's good quality or not. I've never used it before. So please, please, please buy it from a store that allows returns. I always leave Amazon links because I have the affiliate account with them, but it really, same, same concept, just buy it anywhere that allows for returns. Um, but then you would just take all of your HDMI uh, 4K 120, put it into that switch, put that switch into your TV, and then get audio from ARC. Now, if you can't run any of that, or if that's just not something that you would like, I did find a 4K 120 splitter that has downscaling built in. And this is kind of interesting and important because in your case, you would want one output to go direct to your TV, and then the other output to go to your AVR, and the downscaling should work, but I don't know what it's going to do about the refresh rate. So in the ones that I have here, the downscaling will take 4K60 and make it 1080p60. And it's not bad, but for the use case that Oliver and I have, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it deletes video altogether because we just needed it for audio. So... But I don't know what would happen if you sent it 4K 120. Would it send it? Would it send the second port a 1080p 120 signal, or would it cut down the refresh rate as well? And once again, it might do a terrible job. But who cares if you just need audio? So uh, you're gonna have to kind of think about this one and figure out what's the best solution for you. But that that might be it. And of course, you could combine the two together. You could have the switch go into the splitter, but you know, I would take one step at a time just to see. But please keep me updated and let me know how all that goes. And also, once again, just buy it from a place you can return it in case it doesn't do what it says it's going to do. Steadicam Scott has been seeing more CRTs showing up in their area with S-Video inputs, and they're wondering if there's a good solution for either RGB or component video to S-Video. So some good news for you. There are excellent RGB to S-Video converters out there. And in fact, one of the ones that should be topped here is being sent to me now or soonish. So I should be able to test that on stream. Um, and that should be able to do RGB to both S-Video and composite and also pass through RGB at the same time. So RGB in and RGB S-Video composite out with a variable capacitor. So it should actually be overall a good solution. And 
RGB to S video should be pretty darn good. There's a bunch of other converters out there though. LinuxBot 3000 on eBay, uh, also Wakaba Video. I th that's Jam, I think he changed the store name again, but um, the little metal boxes on eBay are, are good quality from the, you know, from as long as it's the same seller. I got to find the new name of the store. My apologies, Jam. I don't, no, no offense whatsoever. I got a link to it somewhere too, because those are good converters. Um, Mike Chi posted an open source design that some people have been making. There's also Ashens, but all of them are RGB. I don't know if anybody has done a component video converter out there yet. So hopefully your setup supports RGB. And if it does, you're good to go. Um, and in fact, I have a friend that just picked up a gorgeous 27 inch Sony CRT that has S video inputs. So I'm giving him my older retro castle, Mr. Case that has the very good RGB to S video conversion signal in there. And I'm going to be trying it out probably this weekend too. So, uh, you know, I was very impressed when I tried it here, but sitting in gaming for a decent session should also be a pretty good test. So I'm going to give it to my friend who's a nerd, but not a retro gaming nerd. So I'll be able to hear if anything, like he'll be able to spot if something's weird. I'll just have to then go over and see it because, you know, he doesn't speak our nerd language. Yeah, you know, he speaks his own, but it'll be a, a good test to run. So short answer. Yep. Um, if you just want RGB to S video, there's a bunch out there now that are great. If you want RGB to S video and composite, I would just give it another week or two to see if the one that I'm getting really does perform better than the rest or not. There are actually two that should be coming my way that I'd be able to test out, but um, my gut's telling me it'll never be as perfect as composite video generated natively, but they're going to be pretty close. Quantum Guitar is looking to get a custom 240p test suite label for the Super EverDrive X5 they just ordered. Any advice on where to order? I don't know if anybody sells one directly, but I would check um, Pepe, who did the the, uh, the Donna logo and who did another very awesome logo that's sitting behind me. I don't know if I'm allowed to show it publicly yet, but I got one of those. I got a new test suite cart sitting behind me that's gorgeous. So I would start there. I'll leave a link to their Twitter account just in case. But maybe somebody listening already knows of good labels or something like that for it. But I just I thought that was very cool. and I love to support their artwork. So I'm going to leave a link to the Twitter account here. Well, that's it for this week. If you're new to these Q&As, ask any question you would like wherever it is that you support, but please just ask in the latest Q&A post because the way these services work, I can't figure out what's a new question on an old post. Plus, like you saw today, I just like scrolling through in real time and having a conversation like we were hanging out together somewhere. But anyway, thank you so much to everybody who supports. Thank you for participating in these and I'll see you next time.